and Stacy, I love chatting about how to find our callings, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in a coffee shop. You can connect with me on social media at Stacy Summerow and subscribe to StacySummerow.com for a free discernment packet called How to Make the Right Choice. God's adventure awaits, my friend, and I am thrilled you're on the journey with me. It is such a joy to be back with you again. Gosh, I have not done an episode of the podcast in quite a long time. I don't even know if I've updated you guys here on uh, my audio platforms about my recent pregnancy. I don't know, but I am 24 weeks pregnant. Yay! And um, uh, I did a vlog about it. If you want to check it out on my YouTube channel, just search for my name, Stacy Summerow. And it has been a very rough pregnancy. So this is a big part of the reason why I have not uh, released an episode in a very long time. I got this crazy, very rare situation called an incarcerated uterus, which you don't even want to know what that means. But um, basically, by a number of miracles, the baby and I are doing, we're doing fine. Um, But I would just appreciate and ask for your prayers for a continued safe pregnancy because I am still high risk after everything that happened with my last pregnancy. So apparently I just have to be special all the time because apparently uh, my body just doesn't like being pregnant. So, um, so it's been, it's been rough, honestly, but we're, uh, we're making it through and baby, little baby boy is doing really well so far. Um, so yes, very grateful for that. So today I'm going to be chatting with Lorraine Bennett. She uh, and her husband are the authors of The Temperament God Gave You. It's a book that I'm pretty sure most of us have at least heard of, if not read. And to be honest with you, I didn't know anything about the temperaments until I got Lorraine's new board game in the mail. Really cool to do a game like an apples to apples style game. There's actually no board, but whatever. It's like an apples to apples style game to help figure out your temperament and your strengths and what you need to work on. It's really fun. It's really fascinating. And I think you're just going to love my conversation with her. So before we get to the episode, I just wanted to thank today's sponsor, the Christian Family Movement. You may have heard me say before or somebody else that it takes all sorts to make a world. It's a cliche, but it's absolutely true. And I've seen proof over and over again in our world that our temperaments that were given to us by God were designed to work together with others to enhance each other's strengths. And in order to make that happen, you really need to find others with a Christian worldview and build an intentional community. So the world has changed drastically and it's harder than ever to make friends. I think that's just stating the obvious. So the Christian Family Movement is an amazing and nearly free resource that's something like $10 to join, and it'll help connect you with other strong Christians who want intentional, strong relationships. You can either find a chapter in your area, or you can start your own with CFM's support. In these crazy times in our world, I really consider my community to be my greatest asset, and I absolutely encourage you to give CFM a try if you want deeper friendships. CFM provides you with materials needed to spark deeper conversations and study, as well as a structure in which friendships can grow and thrive among families. So they have over 70 years of experience and they want to support you. Visit CFM.org or follow the link in the show notes to learn more. And now let's get to our episode with Lorraine Bennett. Lorraine, thank you so much for joining me here on Called and Caffeinated. Cheers. Oh, cheers. Um, <laughs> you are prepared. I love it. Are you yeah. drinking coffee? It's three o'clock. I'm impressed. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about it, actually. 
it's a little late for me. <laughs> I will pray for you. I will say a novena yeah. <laughs> for your sleep You're tonight. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I've got my tea going on. I can't do coffee at 3 p.m., but you know, it all counts. It's all good. Yes. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, you are the founder, one of the founders, I understand you and your husband of the Alpha and Omega Clinic. Yeah, not me, but my husband. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a team for your books and everything. Yes, exactly. Yes. And I know a number of people who have availed themselves of your wonderful clinic, and I hear nothing but good things about it. So congratulations. Oh. That's huge. Um, I would love for you to share whatever you would like. And I usually start out um, by just asking in kind of a general way, what calls you have received from God in your life so far? And what has receiving those calls looked and felt like for you? Oh, that's that's a great question. Um, and thank you so much for having me on your podcast also. And yeah, I was thinking about that, uh, the the whole idea of calls. Mm -hmm. And to me, the most notable call would be our call to our vocation, our, our vocation in life, um, which usually when I think of all the, the priests that I know or the religious that I know, um, they certainly all received a call of some sort and they responded with this beautiful yes to um, becoming a priest or religious, you know, just like the Blessed Mother. Um, and so I'm thinking about that in my own, you know, was I called to my vocation, which is, you know, obviously I am married. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and I was thinking, you know what, when I was uh, dating my husband, I never even once thought about <laughs> whether I was called to the married life. And um, so actually what happened was they just fell in love uh, and, and got married. And, and, mm -hmm. And I'm now kind of hoping, you know, after 45 years of, you know, <laughs> being happily married, it's like, well, if God had had another call, um, I guess he's on plan B or C by now, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like, well, she wasn't listening then, you know. Uh, I do hear that often, actually, from married people who say, I never even really thought about it or no one encouraged me to think about it. And I think that's what's so beautiful about God's will and God's plan is that he can work so effortlessly with our current circumstances oh, and and ultimately too i do want to point out that whatever god is calling you to I, from all of my conversations on the called and caffeinated podcast it is about falling in love mm -hmm. and that's really how you know that you're called to something really um mm -hmm. and it may not be romance swept off your feet all the time necessarily but it is right. that that deep peace and it is that sense of yes so you know yeah i would absolutely i would say that's a real call and yeah. you know i always encourage young men and women to discern religious life if they if they're mm -hmm unattached simply because it's like what have you got to lose <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> what have you got to lose give exactly. god first option in your life there's nothing yeah. that can come from it except good really exactly um, exactly and, and in mm -hmm. my life that was what gave me this i think the maturity to actually be able to enter into any vocation marriage or religious life mm -hmm. yeah. but i think i think there's many ways many many ways to mm -hmm. enter into your calling so yeah i'm sure i'm yeah. sure that's going to connect with a lot of my my viewers and listeners yeah. um, to hear that yeah, that's so beautiful. And you have yeah, it, it's so interesting how um, I think uh, I've never really experienced a call like in the sense of like Samuel was called, you know, you know, Samuel, Samuel. And yeah, yeah, here I am. <laughs> you know? But I think God calls in so many different ways. Um, I guess mm -hmm. I would, you know, think of 
the kind of like the inkling of the Holy Spirit, you know, maybe the whispers uh, of the Holy Spirit, uh, more like the, you know, Elijah experienced uh, on the mountain, but, um, or else, you know, through God speaks to us through scripture, through the church, sometimes through other people, through our Absolutely. present circumstances, just whatever is happening in the day to day, he speaks to us all the time. And it's kind of up to us, I guess, to be listening. Um, yes, very so, much so. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about your calls to write your books and <laughs> specifically your new board game. So yeah. I love I love reviewing books and, and getting to interview authors, but I've never received a board game in the mail before, specifically a Catholic board game, which has been really fun. I mean, I do have the Catholic card game, but that mm -hmm. wasn't you know, that wasn't for an interview specifically. Um, so that was such a joy to um, to get to look look into that and see a whole new facet of work that you're doing, which is beautiful. Um, and in a very fun way too, you know, because reading a book is a solitary activity, it's reflective, whereas this board game is meant yeah. to be engaged with many people, which is, which is exactly. Yeah. yeah, but before, sure. <laughs> before we get into that, I just think it was amazing how small the Catholic world is. I always say it's the smallest world in the world because I found out this morning as we were emailing back and forth that you are very familiar with the same community that my parents are living yeah. in currently in Manassas, Virginia, and I graduated from the same high school as your children. Yeah. Yes. Which is crazy. Shout out to Seton School in Manassas, Virginia. Hey. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, oh my gosh, Ray Bennett. Of course, yeah. I knew him. Like he was, you know, it was like you don't talk to other people who aren't in your class sometimes because it's just yeah. high school is awkward. But he yeah. was always like really cool. And he always had a <laughs> smile on his face. I was like, he's a really cool guy. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. <laughs> so now I'm curious to find out which personality type he is, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> or which temperament, rather. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, but yep. that that is just amazing how small small the world is. So oh, it's great. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So uh, let's get into um, temperaments. And can you first just ex explain what is a temperament? Is that the same as your personality? Right. And that is a great question. Um, so temperament is actually not the whole of our personality. So our whole personality includes um, many things such as our education, our um, culture, our family of origin, um, it, all sorts of things, even even the, the choices we make, everything is going to impact our total personality. Mm. Um, whereas temperament is one small part of our total personality so but it is that part which is we say is god's gift to us to kind of kickstart our personalities it's sort of the way we're hardwired in a sense it is um that part which is nature as opposed to nurture so if you think of you know how your your birth order for example that does impact your personality as well mm -hmm. um Absolutely. Is, you know, but, but that's really like the parents um treating the first born in a certain way you know like oh, the firstborn, you know <laughs> bowing and you know everything yes. revolves around that firstborn and yeah. that that's actually the nurture part, you know, yes. so and also your education, that would be nurture. Um, but nature is kind of just what God has sort of given us to kickstart our personalities, in a sense. And everybody knows who, who's had a baby that they do have these little budding personalities. <laughs> and so that is temperament. And psychologists do, you know, study temperament. 
but um, they don't uh, necessarily study it in the same way that we talk about it in our books. And we've written three books. Uh, my husband and I have written three books on, on temperament. But um, one of the things we really like to, you know, to emphasize is that because it's not the whole of your personality, we are not putting anybody in boxes. Um, we're not trying to say you cannot respond in any other way other than this box that I put you in. Yes. So, because really, um, it's only the temperament is really only the way we tend to respond, mm. kind of by nature. Um, so it is the one that is comes most easily to us, yes. almost like a little bit of a, a, a knee jerk reaction, you might even say. Mm -hmm. But it is not what you the way you have to respond. And so, as Catholics, we always believe that we are free to respond to God's grace mm -hmm. and to His call. As you started out the conversation so beautifully, talking mm -hmm. about. Um, so we always are free. We are never determined by our temperament or even by our environment. Um, mm -hmm. Some people think we are determined, but those are not Catholics. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, so, so that's why we're not putting people in boxes. But we're just saying, if you know your temperament, you will know, you'll have kind of a heads up on what things, what ways you might tend to respond and how you might want to at least take a look at it and be open to trying to respond in a different way if necessary you know so all you know all situations you don't just knee-jerk react the same way absolutely you know, choose what is the best most prudent way to respond that's such a beautiful explanation because that's something I struggle with with the concept of the four temperaments because I've definitely heard people say like oh it's because so and so is a phlegmatic and just yeah. kind of assigning them this box like right. you said we're not supposed to do um, right. so we're going to get more into kind of the right way to use this knowledge versus mm -hmm. you know how to not become navel gazers <laughs> um, yes but I would love first if you could just explain kind of the basic where the temperaments the concept came from and what each one is yeah oh yeah sure um so the um so really it started out probably way back with the ancient Greeks and uh, we're going way back to Hippocrates when he came up with these these crazy names uh so what what we've we talk about in our books, um, we go back to that. And it's not what contemporary psychologists would uh, be talking about. They wouldn't be using these these terms. But the reason we do is that there's actually a long history within the Catholic Church, within our faith, of, of many uh, spiritual writers, uh, um, spiritual writers, saints, mm -hmm. even popes, writing about temperament in using the this terminology which was developed again as i said hippocrates um so the the he categorized four temperaments as the choleric or choleric um the phlegmatic the melancholic and the sanguine now he was talking about these you know the, he, it was his attempt to you know kind of explain why people are different why do they respond differently? Mm. And uh, he thought it related to, you know, whatever, you know, he, abundance of certain bodily fluids or whatever, you know, like the the black bile or something, whatever. Yeah. So we Sanguine think is blood, that. right? Yeah, something in the blood. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Mm. Whatever, <laughs> you know. And, and so we don't really think of it in, in that terminology, you know, in that way anymore. Yes. But it kind of has this 
long tradition. And mm. we just kind of like to, it gives us kind of a fun and interesting handle. Yeah. Um, but the, but the, the actual um, concepts of or what it is describing outside of the terminology, uh, that is something that is is commonly like discussed in terms of like psychologists today. So, you yes. know, they would talk about whether, you know, it, it, they study babies, let's say, and one baby is persistent, persistent and will constantly go toward that, you know, that light fixture, that plug, that outlet, and you turn them around and they turn right back around and they yep. go there, you know? Yep. I'm laughing because I'm thinking of my youngest. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. And up the stairs, up the stairs, up the stairs. <laughs> right. And then yes. some are, you know, some of them are, some babies are anxious babies. You know, they, they like, you know, you see a, a new face and they're like, whoop. No, no. Put the head back in, yes. uh, you know, toward mom. And, you know, other babies are just like, woo, you know, very, very sociable. Absolutely. So these are uh, kind of characteristics, but they're not, we're not trying to force people into boxes, but these are aspects of a person's temperament that yes. is just a tendency that the babies actually show. And you can study them through their life and they will, you know, consistently display this kind of these aspects and that's kind of what we talk about in in uh when we were talking about the temperaments god gave you so interesting so, you know yeah. i have this theory and this is completely my own and has no scientific backing whatsoever <laughs> but just because i dated a number of different men before i met my husband i had this theory that you looking back i could tell from the very first encounter the very first date how that relationship was going to go and I couldn't tell as I was going through it, it had to be something I saw in hindsight, but it almost sounds a little bit similar to this personality concept where, or the temperament concept where I keep using those interchangeably and I really shouldn't. Um, the temperament concept where you kind of can see how things are going to play out when yeah. you look back. Now, so right. of course, you know, that's not, I, I don't think there's any way you could apply that and say, that you're going to be able to know after your first date if you're going to marry this person at all. Right. It's more just that the the temperament uh, tendencies that we both exhibited that maybe were just tiny little moments of tension or little things that happened I didn't even pay attention to. They ended up playing out in bigger and bigger ways. And it kind of sounds right. like you're you're saying that you know yeah. similar similarly yeah, that you're you're, yeah, you're going to keep playing that. that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. which is so interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, like, and we're good. I'm sorry. I was going to say okay. uh, when when you look back on you mentioned my son Ray. Uh, he would, when he was a baby, he was this like this little very organized little uh, you know placid happy little child that was always organ lining up his little trucks. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> and I remember saying I, I just remember noticing it at the time, but then now he's an engineer. So we look back and it was like, yeah, those those little trucks you were lining up all the time. <laughs> You're probably they were. practicing your engineering skills. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I, I want to definitely get into in a little bit um, kind of how if your personality really does stay the same person. Here I go exchanging mm. them again. I apologize. If your temperament, okay. so, I'm sure you get this a lot. If your temperament stays the same or if it can change kind of throughout your life. Right, right. Um, but before we go any further, can you just show us your board game? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. is called know thyself. know thyself. Yeah. What does and, it feel like to hold a board game that you've created? Oh, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, actually I have a few of the cards right here. Yes. Um, Do you want to um, read any for us? 
Yeah. <laughs> but we can talk about that whenever you want to no, okay. talk about that. Well, that's cool. Um, I just loved how some of them are very, um, some of them are very specific and some of them are just kind mm -hmm. of, they're not human yes. at all, but they capture a certain part of someone's personality that otherwise yeah. might be very difficult to describe. Um, I liked and Great also, Balls of Fire. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, also it's meant to be like to to kind of like um, provoke your imagination a little bit. Like, absolutely. You know, because we're asking in the the way the game is played, we're asking who is so and so, who is Stacy? You know, yes. and I'm going to look through my cards, and am I going to say? take charge, party animal, uh, cool as a cucumber, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know, golden retriever, <laughs> you yeah. know, and yeah. so it's like, hmm, and it's, so it, it's fun, it, it's, it's a kind of provokes you to start thinking about the other person in, in another, in a fun and interesting way, um, but it's meant overall to be fun, you know, because a game, if it's not fun, is not a good game. <laughs> Yeah, you know. absolutely. And I found we found ourselves tempted to play it ironically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it can become funny very fast if you're putting down yeah. all the negative cards about your friends and family oh. to make everybody laugh. Um, oh yes. Yeah, my yes. husband and I have a bit of a sardonic sense of humor together. So we kind of yeah. like to rib each other and make right. each other laugh. But that may not be everybody's person. That may not be everybody's temperament, right. of course. They right, know. and that could yeah. be that could be trouble. <laughs> it could, oh, trouble. yes, depending on the person, absolutely. Yeah, yeah one yeah. of the cards is sensitive. If you're oh, going to play yeah. with that person, do not <laughs> do the yeah, ironic. <laughs> but it, it, it could also be, you know, a little eye opening. Like some people who played it, we we played once where. Um, I, I think we were talking about one person, one member of the family, and um, everybody, you know, agreed that this one card perfectly fit that person. And that person was like, what? Me? And yeah. we're like, everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you. Yes. So when everybody's like, analyzing you, it's like, oh, <laughs> sometimes. Not in a mean way, though. No, you know? not at all. No. Yeah. But just sort of like holding up a mirror, because there's a lot of times where you don't understand necessarily. You don't see yourself and you think, oh, yeah, I'm super organized. And you might not really be, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah. And sometimes you need that mirror held up, which I can totally see. But my husband and I also played it a different way when it was just the two of us. It wasn't a competitive game at all. It was much more. Um, we actually just took random cards and we would mm -hmm. say, OK, let's pick so and so this or this friend. And we put down all the cards that we thought applied to that person. And then at the end, we looked at what color they had mostly, yeah. oh. which was interesting because the cards are all color coded, uh, right. red, yellow, green and blue, I think, according mm -hmm. to uh, cleric, sanguine, phlegmatic and oh, what's the last one? Melancholy. There yeah. it is. <laughs> And so at the end of that, after kind of just thinking of the qualities of a person, we could kind of look at the number of cards and say, oh, they're mm -hmm. almost all green. This person yeah. is a phlegmatic for sure, yeah, very yeah. strong. And I found right. that out about, you know, certain people I knew and I was like, oh, now this is actually really helpful if you yeah. want to, you know, understand them a little bit better. So uh, yeah, uh, it's been fun kind of finding a variety of ways to, to yeah, play. Yeah, that's great. I love yeah. how you imaginatively you know tweaking the game because usually it's better with a, like a large number of people you know but you managed yes. to do it with two. that's great yes. yeah, yeah. It, it was really fun it was really fun yeah i like i like the card that said otter oh yeah <laughs> and then i was like wait a minute i do know someone who's an otter <laughs> 
<laughs> and then I like the sleepy Joe Biden card as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny because my husband said, he goes, this is not a politically correct game. I would not have allowed you to put that, that card in. I go, that's why I made the game. I loved it. <laughs> you did not. <laughs> I loved it. He would have like been nixing all my, <laughs> yeah, all my that's <laughs> so funny. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, there were, I mean, it must've been fun coming up with that. Oh yeah. It, it was definitely fun. Yeah. 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 That's so interesting. And was it easier than writing a book since it doesn't, it's kind of yeah. like, it, I yeah. think so. Well, in one sense, I guess, yeah. um, okay. although I have been more, I mean, I'm more in tune with writing books, I guess. Um, yeah, but sure. also, it, it did take a while because we played various, ver we had like, you know, I had, first I came up with, I just had cut out pieces of paper and, you know, wrote the things. And we would play with our family, the adult kids and their spouses. And, Fun. you know, how, how should we play this game, you know? And so we did various renditions of it. So that took a while, you know, to wow. come up with. With, and ultimately, it's like apples to apples, which is, yeah, which seems to be the most fun way to play. <laughs> yeah, it allows everyone to participate and lots of laughs and very easy to catch on and understand right, right away. Let's circle or back around to actually describing the four temperaments. Yeah. If you don't mind. yeah. So, so there's the, so the four classic temperaments, uh, as I mentioned, going back to the ancient Greeks, um, and then continuing with this whole history of, of, of Catholic spirituality. I think, in fact, I wanted to mention they, uh, it probably started with, with spiritual direction, actually, um, way back, because yeah. the, the original intent was to try to understand the, the basic temperament of, of the, the people that they, were, that they were directing and to direct them in the proper way. And uh, we are um, both Art and I. We when we first like kind of discovered this uh, temperament, like in the sense of the Catholic tradition, we read this book that was written in 1930 by Father Conrad Hawk, and it was very tiny, this itty bitty book, and um, and he covers basically the four temperaments: choleric, sanguine, melancholic, and phlegmatic and how to encourage growth in spiritual direction in the spiritual mm -hmm. life for each of those. And we were like so amazed by that, that we were, we were like, wow, this is so applicable to so many other situations today, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. for, for parents and kids Absolutely. and spouses to get to understand each other, just for ourselves to understand ourselves in our own spiritual life. because. Based on our temperament, we will have a tendency to lean in certain directions, you know. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So anyway, yeah. So so I just That's wanted so to say that little history part and um, yeah. I feel like I'm going out of order a bit, you know, in, in terms no, of our conversation. That's totally yeah. fine. In fact, I, I, I don't want to add too many asides, but it reminds me of a conversation I had with my spiritual director. Mm -hmm. And I, he was describing exactly what you said. He said, there's different people who God leads in different ways. And one example he gave was St. Thomas Aquinas through like a very um, intellectual, you know, they'll fall in love with God through through reason. Another one right. is St. Paul. And he told me I was a St. Paul where you can pivot very quickly. You're very led yeah. by your heart. It's sort of like when you're in, you're all in, you know, right. and looking at the temperaments, I would, oh, yeah. I am a sanguine. Well, I'll let you, I'll let you describe them first, but it lines up with St. 
this, you know, the personality of St. Paul very much so. And in fact, St. Paul is one of the cards in the game. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's right. Yes. I was like, that's my card. <laughs> well, yeah. So, um, so let's start with the choleric or choleric. Some people say, um, anyway, the choleric is, has, it is about your reaction. So tendency to react in certain ways. So uh, the choleric has very intense, very um, immediate reactions, very strong react, very long lived reactions. So they mm -hmm. tend to be, you know, very um, goal oriented, very um, driven, very um, uh tendency to follow through very persevering uh mm -hmm. very opinionated sometimes like on mm -hmm. the downside you know a little bit stubborn um mm -hmm. you mentioned saint paul i actually would put saint paul as a choleric okay. um because yeah he was very zealous you know he was when he was you know persecuting the christians uh in the very beginning he was very zealous he was t pulling them out of their homes and throwing them into jail and you yes. know and then as soon as he is converted uh he is very zealous in the yeah. other in the proper direction but so that's that's a characteristic of the cleric is that they they are very zealous people mm -hmm. very driven very um strong-willed very opinionated um if you have a, a you know, a choleric child, they're going to, you know, they're going to be uh, giving you, you know, giving you a, a little bit of run for your money there, you know, <laughs> you want to say, you know what, this child, yeah, when they're two, it's a little annoying that they're very opinionated and stubborn, but when they're grown up, you know, they're also going to be the leaders of the church, probably, yes. you know, Maybe they'll be the lawyers or they'll be the future, who knows, you know, but they'll be doing big things for the yes. kingdom. Yeah. I'm, I'm a choleric sanguine so yes. i totally yes i'm like yes. my poor mother <laughs> anyway yeah awesome. so then the next type is the exact opposite of the choleric so that would be the phlegmatic now the phlegmatic is very easygoing they have very um very low-key reactions very they're very you're chill chill person you know everybody loves yeah. to be around the phlegmatic because they are just so easygoing mm. everybody loves them they they are um diplomatic they're friendly they're they're non-confrontational they don't try to take charge like the cleric is the cleric mm. is taking charge at all times and then the phlegmatic is very easygoing they just want to be the team player you know they gotcha. just you just love them and <laughs> <laughs> so their thing is they're a little bit conflict avoidant as opposed to the cleric who loves to conflict yes i love conflict you know yeah. um, the the phlegmatic really doesn't enjoy conflict um and then the the third one is the sanguine and that's the your people person very outgoing very extroverted the mm -hmm. most extroverted temperament would be the sanguine um they are your classic people person they just loved many activities lots of activities um in terms of reaction they're kind of quick intense but short-lived so not like the long-lived of the cleric but short-lived reactions so that makes them a little bit like butterflies you know so you might flip from flower to flower have many friends um lots of activities uh sometimes you forget about some of the things you know you had planned or whatever or you change your mind you know like about what you know oh yeah i don't think i want to do that anymore yeah, that was boring that was all that was last week you know yes, <laughs> so, yes. new new activity for this week um very forgiving very generous people um and 
Then the final temperament is the melancholic, which is has actually probably the most intense reactions, but they are very internal. So they don't necessarily show you their reactions. Like, whereas the choleric might be very, you know, if they disagree with what you said, they'll just tell you, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh no, you're wrong. <laughs> In fact, yeah, St. Paul said that. That's an example, another example from St. Paul. He said, mm-hmm. you know, I told him to his face, you know, he talks about Peter, St. Yes. Peter, the first Pope. I told him to his face because he clearly was wrong, you know, <laughs> but, but that's the clear. Now, melancholic, they might be thinking that internally, but they're not necessarily going to say that because they are the most, they're the most introverted of all the temperaments. Okay. Um, So they're very, they're very, um, very idealistic people, very um, internal, very uh, detail oriented, very, um, often very artistic, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. Or musical or artistic, a great eye for detail. Um, and they, it's there's an old saying about the melancholic that they so long for heaven that everything on earth falls short. <laughs> so so yes. the, the sanguine is your optimist and the melancholic is a little bit on the pessimistic side, although they would say realistic. They are realistic. realistic <laughs> they are able to foresee They often look to to the future and they can foresee all the potential obstacles to a a plan of action or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we kind of like to say you want on a team, you want everybody, you know, you want all these, Mm -hmm. like if you're building a team, you have an apostolate or whatever, you're, um, you know, working together at work, you know, you want your coworkers to have all these, all these temperaments. It Mm -hmm. is very helpful and and to, to to really appreciate all the members of the team. So I love it. That's kind of in Yeah, thank you for that. I am thinking as you're talking, and I, I kind of have a question that I hadn't thought of before. I I'll use myself as an example. Um, I am a choleric sanguine, like we talked about, and there yeah. are certain elements that you described of the choleric sanguine that seem to be rather opposite. So, for example, the sanguine is very flits from thing to thing, whereas mm-hmm. the choleric has these long, intense. Uh, very strong reactions that last a long time, which are kind of like opposing things. And I do see, it's interesting, I see both of those in myself, Mm -hmm. but I also see, but it's like, they're they're also kind of opposite. And the way, I think the way that they interplay for me is like, I will have very intense, like, I am into gardening. And this Mm -hmm. summer, that is all I want to (laughs) do. I'm obsessed with my plants. Now, have I had a plant obsession for several years? Yes, I have. But it is like more so than ever this year. Last year, I had a very uh, intense obsession with redoing my wardrobe. And that was kind of the thing that was always on my mind that I always wanted to do when I had downtime. But it did change. Yeah, but it doesn't change like, right. Well, it doesn't change week to week. But more like, I'd say more like year to year or... So is that, yeah, how, I guess my general, yeah. No, I think this totally fits in with, uh, so I'm also choleric sanguine, by the way. But um, anyway, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Most people are like a uh, a combination of, of but it's not like you're equal amounts, like Mm -hmm. 50-50. In fact, um, I don't know if I, maybe I should send you the link to, we have a, uh, there's a temperamentquiz.com. I don't know if you've ever seen that. But we, you could put the link so. on with your show notes or something because um, it, there's a very short test that you could take online that I developed the questions for it. But 
Um, anyway, it's called temperamentquiz.com and it'll come up with percentages. And that really, it's not scientific. It, it varies really, but like most people have like a dominant temperament, I would say like you're, so I would say mine is choleric and then secondarily sanguine. So Mm. I do, I do the same thing that you're describing, which is, so if I'm writing, writing a book, you know, I'm, it's, we're all in, it's 24 seven, I'm writing this book and Mm. I do not, you know, come up for a breath of air, but then it's done. It's, you know, and I'm, and I will meet my deadlines. I have like, I have this little, I'm a little bit prideful about it. Like it's terrible, but you know, I always meet a deadline. And and then, but then it's like on to the next thing. Okay. Now what am I interested Mm. in? Gardening. That's it. No, (laughs) you know, you know, the wardrobe thing, I totally relate to this. Like, it's okay. Okay. But like, let's say somebody else, uh, a, a sanguine, primarily sanguine, Okay, it's week to week. They are, you know, I must. I remember my one of my one of my kids who is sanguine, um, <laughs> and he would he would have a new hobby every literally like it would be. I have to learn how to golf. I need golf lessons. I need golf clubs. I must golf. I am obsessed with golfing. And I'm like, yes, okay. Well, that's an awesome sport. We'll get you golf clubs, which of course then sat in the garage. Um, Yeah. (laughs) After that. (laughs) We're like, oh, we're done. It was, it was the next thing. It was yeah. no, no, no more golf. <laughs> now, now it's something else. Um, yes, yes, yes. That's so, so interesting. I, I, yeah, I totally hear that. And in terms, it's interesting too, how that interplays also with the nurture part of your personality, mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. cholerics mm-hmm. would be typically very conflict oriented or like, um, not conflict oriented, but Capable of, or uh, capable of, of bringing things to the surface, but because yes, of certain yeah. aspects in my nurture side of my personality, I actually tend towards conflict avoidance. And it's something that I have had to really learn. So it was interesting reading about the choleric and then saying, well, this, this doesn't fit me only because this part of it doesn't fit me just because of some, you know, some, some of the family history and so <laughs> forth. And, and the, the family culture that I was raised in. So I've had to like learn to become less conflict avoidant, which has been a big journey. So that's kind of an interesting thing yeah. too. And I mean, that's all, it's all learning. Well, definitely. Right it's, and it's a lifelong journey. I mean, I, I like to, uh, I use myself as an example for if, you know, if you could change your temperament, of course I would have somewhere along the line, because I tended to get in trouble with being a little bit overly conflict, uh, Okay. Enthusiastic, let's say. <laughs> anyway, no, yeah. I mean, like, I, I realized that I would, I, even at work, like, sometimes I would be, you know, getting into arguments with my boss. Like, who does that? That's that's just stupid. I would go home and I would say, look, do you want this job? You know, I'm yeah, t- yeah, yeah. telling myself, you know, like, if you want to keep your job, Lorraine, you better, like, learn how to, like, not be so easily riled up and entering into conflict and just Mm. you know be accept be more phlegmatic but right so learn from the phlegmatics in your life right but instead of we don't we don't like to say change your temperament like oh i wish i was phlegmatic no we say look accept the temperament that god gave you but grow in virtue you know and and because 
you know what your temperament is. So I know that I tend to have like maybe a, a short fuse, let's say, um, at, or maybe at work, I'm a little bit too easily provoked into arguments with, mm. you know, political debates or whatever it is. And mm. I need to not be that way. Mm. So um, what virtue do I need to grow in? Well, I need to grow in patience and I need to grow in humility. And mm. there's so many things I need, <laughs> so many virtues I need. But knowing what my temperament is, I can then focus my efforts a little bit more um, intensely on those virtues that are opposing gotcha. to some of the weaknesses that I might have. Yeah, so. yeah. And that was another question I had was it, if we are spiritually mature, should we exhibit qualities of all four temperaments? Almost to the point where you can't tell where someone's temperament is, what, what right. someone's natural temperament is. Would that be yeah, accurate yeah. to say? Well, no, I would say it. Yeah, definitely. I think we uh, people would say, um, like about St. Ignatius of Loyola, that, you know, when he was young, he was very uh, choleric and he was, he was, you know, starting fights and whatnot. And he was very feisty. And, and toward the end of the, his life, people said, oh, he is like the most meek and humble man. But that was wow. because he became Christ-like. Mm -hmm. It's not because he changed his temperament. Or he probably struggled. In fact, you know, that's the cross. You struggle sometimes with aspects of your own temperament that are difficult. Um, St. Jerome is a great example. He had a very difficult temperament and he struggled with that. And he mm. sends himself off to become a hermit. He was so, he was so annoying to so many people. <laughs> anyway, but um, other people have more felicitous temperaments, you know, and they're just, you know. Right. But then they might have to grow in, in uh, courage. Uh, Exactly. To, courage or to speak up at the moment yeah, that they exactly, needed. Yes, exactly. Yes. So okay. gotcha. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. think for for me, I love I love talking about this kind of stuff. I think it is so fascinating. And I love analyzing myself and other people. And it's always, yeah, interesting when someone tells me something about myself where I'm like, no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's a good, it's a very good learning experience. <clears throat> but the yeah. St. Teresa of Avila has this great quote. She said, um, yeah. self-knowledge is so important that even if you were raised right up to the heavens i should like you never to relax your cultivation of it so yeah. obviously she was a big fan of of self-knowledge and cultivating yes. self-knowledge but it can become navel gazing and so how do we kind of use this knowledge in a way that doesn't tend toward um it's all about me right or you know making making the whole world about like now i've got myself figured out so now right. i'm fine basically oh, absolutely that's a great question yeah, yeah. like how do fact, we, yeah is it humility the, uh, quote we quote St. Teresa, we quote that very quote in our book, the first book, uh, The Temperament God Gave You. Um, a good one. We use that as, as an example of why we do need to understand ourselves to, to grow in self-knowledge. Um, and the thing is, it's not at all navel-gazing because what she was hoping to, what, what we're all striving for with self-knowledge is to grow actually in humility so that's like the key that's the foundational virtue that we need in order to get any and any of the other virtues we have to have humility yes and humility is not um is not like thinking oh i'm just i'm so bad i'm just nothing i'm dirt it's not being a doormat it's none of that humility is actually um really knowing yourself and knowing the gifts that God has given you mm. 
as and also knowing your weaknesses Mm -hmm. so it's not beating yourself up but it's and it's not being prideful it's neither of those it's it's and so it's not navel gazing because they say um humility is not thinking less of yourself it's thinking about yourself less so you're actually you're not focused on yourself if you were focused on yourself that would be kind of a maybe well, like you said, navel-gazing, or that would be maybe a self-absorbed kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, true humility will focus you outward mm-hmm. and will know the difference between yourself and God and know that God has given you all these gifts and all these wonderful things. And your job is to focus outward and see how, what can I do to love, know love and serve God in this world mm-hmm. and to and my neighbor too, you know, like, what can I do? What, what, what ways can I be of service? How can I spread the kingdom? How can I love God more? So we're focusing not on ourselves, but true humility will give us hopefully that, um, that way of looking at things. So, yeah, that's, that's a good bridge between the typical understanding of like, now I haven't taken your personality quiz, but I have taken other personality quizzes and usually you end up at the end of them thinking like, oh, I have all these great qualities. Good job, me. And you almost want to like pat yourself on the back. You're like, I'm so full of all these strengths, but yeah. it doesn't, those tend to not have the, the, you know, the, I don't want to say downsides, but the tendencies toward, they right. don't emphasize any of the, any of the tendencies that you have towards a particular sin which right. is a part of the whole picture because then every temperament has the also the the potential uh potential for sins of of different types that you need but to also be natu- aware of just natural weaknesses we would right. say yeah right 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 Not, right no temperament is going to be sinful in and of itself it's right. just that there might be a tendency like if you indulge a certain area maybe a little too much you might yeah, go in that direction. Right. So, or the way that Satan would use your yes, there you strengths go. or use your weaknesses against mm-hmm. you to tempt you yeah. in certain ways. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or your desires kind of twist them around. Yeah, um, right. So yeah, that's quite a different vision of using the knowledge of, of temperaments rather than just like a cute personality quiz. Right. <laughs> sure. And I can definitely yeah. see how, you know, in parenthood, you know, living out your callings, like you were saying, being focused outward toward others, my children are always stretching me and I, I am constantly, my husband and I are always talking, you know, we need to, we need more patience to deal with this child and we need more mm-hmm. understanding to deal with this child and we need to not be so quick to react when this child says this thing that bothers us. And it's okay. kind of, it, it is very, um, yeah, it's very revealing of your weaknesses and mm-hmm. kind of geared towards that, like you were saying, humility. So I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think our kids help us, you know, yeah, we learn so much from our kids, actually. Yeah, I'm, oh. and I continue to learn from mine. So, 100%. yeah, <laughs> it's pretty yes. amazing. Yeah. Uh, lifelong, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, mine are still little, but I'm sure whole life. Oh, lifelong. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's why in, in one of the books we wrote is like the temperament God gave your kids, you know, this one. And this is, um, uh, you can find it on Amazon, but it. I think it's almost like the most useful of, mm. of all the books because it's like um, our kids are kind of more, they're more temperament based because they haven't yet acquired all the, you know, the various right. aspects of education and, you know, so they're kind of more real in a way, <laughs> kind of just yeah. like they're themselves. Yes. And, uh, 
and you can really see, you can really, if they're young, you can get them started on growing in those virtues that they, you know they will need um, based on their temperament. So, like, if you have a little sanguine child who gets easily distracted, you know, and they're always the ones, you know, and they run outside the house and they forget something, well, when they're older, you know, maybe if they're going to school or whatever, they've forgotten their, you know, their their pencils and their papers and their books and their, you know, permission slip and their, um, <laughs> and their uh, sports equipment and whatnot. But when they're young, you can help them l- learn to become organized, you know, so just a simple little thing, like for each child, you can kind of individualize their, their formation um, as we're actually asked to do <clears throat> as parents, you know, as Catholic parents, you know, to mm-hmm. take an individual approach to each of our kids and to really see what it is they might need, mm-hmm. how they might need to grow in virtue um, based on their own unique qualities. All right. Well, I'm going to get that book right as soon as this com- this <laughs> conversation is over because that sounds fantastic. Um, we're yeah, it's it's amazing. They do have these little, they have they're right out the gate. They have their own yeah. holes. They're hard hardwired a certain way and. Mm-hmm. None of them are just exactly like me. So, <laughs> exactly, and that's and where. So yeah. it, that's why it takes a stretching and understanding. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and yeah. at first, parents sometimes when they don't realize that it could be a, just a temperament difference, you know, they sometimes they go, oh, "What did I do wrong with this child?" Or, "Or yes. is there are they is there something wrong with that child?" You know, yes. and it could yes. be neither. It's not that there's something wrong with the child. It's not that there's you did something wrong. It's mm-hmm. just it could be just a temperament issue. Yes. you know, something yes. a simple fix actually. Simple yeah. fix. Absolutely, hundred yeah. cool. um, percent. Okay, next question. Uh, Oh, <laughs> I wasn't even planning to ask this, but my, <laughs> I just want yeah. to mention this. My husband, when I went to the bathroom, my husband yeah. <laughs> took my computer and typed in a little extra question and I just read it and it made me laugh. So this is the funny. question my husband typed as, you know, me asking you, let's get down to the nitty gritty. So how can I fix my husband? <laughs> right. And the answer is you don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It made yeah. me laugh so hard yeah. when I came back. Yeah. I was like, John, you yeah. can't do that. And then not tell me that you actually typed that in. I was just about to send it to her. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny though. But yeah. But then I we talked about it and, and I actually did leave it. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. a great sense of humor. So um, so I want to talk a little bit. Okay, so my show is all about uh, discernment, uh, discerning yeah. your life choices. And I would be remiss if I did not ask how all of this plays into discernment. So maybe you could give like a top line. Uh, yeah. Doesn't have to be too detailed, but maybe each personality type, what should they be looking yeah. out for in terms of discernment? Because when yeah. I give talks on discernment, I try to, I often describe it as like type A or type B personalities, oh, uh-huh. which yeah. again, very general, but oh. I, I know that different people need different advice. Yes. If I am telling people you just got to pray more, then all of the, you know, the melancholics and the phlegmatics yeah. in the room are going to be like, oh, thank goodness. You know, yeah. whereas the the cholerics are going to be like, oh, you know, th- that's really advice that the cleric needs is to. Yes, exactly. Oh, you're absolutely right. 
Yes. Then, so I, whereas, no, yeah, it's hard to give totally. You've got general. it. Yeah. 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 Mm. So some people need to hear, take action. Some people yeah. need to hear, become more reflective. So if you want to just break it down, I would love to hear anything you have to share on that. Well, no, I, I think you, I think you totally have, have it got, you got this wired right now, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I don't know. That's exactly right. Um, okay. Because the choleric is going to be that person who just takes charge and heads off, you know, just like, the racehorse out of the, you know, out of the gate and they're charged and, but they may not have uh, even like actually reflected on what is the goal they're heading towards. So mm. that is very common with the cleric. You, so you've got to, for the cleric, the most, I guess the, 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 the biggest pitfall, if you want to say um, in, in discernment is that they're going to want to do their will. Because remember, they have a very strong will. They're very, yeah. you know, determined and forceful and energetic and zealous in the direction that they think is correct. But Absolutely. it may not actually be God's will. So mm. that's like actually absolutely crucial. Um, and you hit on it right there that mm. they are the ones who are going to need to pray more because they're going to have to put God first. And it's going to be very hard because clerics will have a list of things to do and they just want to take action and let's get going. And, uh, you know, Oh, I have to sit for an hour in um, adoration chapel, maybe, you know, but maybe that is just the thing they need to do is to slow down, to pray, to really um, take that time to be with the Lord to discern. And, and I think, I think that's absolutely um, essential. Um, I want to add, if you don't mind, just because I am a choleric and what you're describing is a hundred percent my journey, surrendering my will to the Lord. I have a prayer of surrender that I share for free on my website. If you just go, you hit the subscribe button and enter your email and it comes right to your inbox. Um, There's a link inside of that welcome email. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't check who unsubscribes. So, you know, if you don't really want my content, you can just get the player and unsubscribe. It's (laughs) fine. I'm not offended. But it's there inside that welcome email you get. There's a link to that prayer of surrender. And I also sell copies that I illustrated because um, I just wanted to make a really a really visually beautiful one as well. But that prayer totally changed my life. And surrender was the number one thing that I had to work on. I do think that maybe comes through all personality types, but I uh, particularly well, sure. choleric absolutely yeah. and actually, then yeah and then patience was another one too because yeah. it was very hard for me to take like i didn't mind sitting in adoration for an hour that was fine and i also i obviously my strength was that i went out and i, I was like okay i need to discern religious life okay i'm gonna go line up my convent visits like no problem <laughs> you know taking action was no problem but waiting a year to yeah. allow God to really reveal his plan to me and to allow everything to process until I got a real answer. That was really hard. So that patience needed to mm-hmm. um, needed to come to the forefront and I needed to develop that patience to sit and say, okay, I don't know what God wants me to do next month. I don't know the plan, but I'm gonna continue following him and I'm gonna let this take a year if it needs to take a year because it's right. worth it. It's worth it for my whole future. So that, mm-hmm. anyway, not that I'm a person, you know, personality temperament expert at all, but I'll just add that because that's, that's me. <laughs> no, I think, yeah. I think you're absolutely right about it. Yeah. Patience cool. is a crucial virtue for the mm-hmm. choleric. So yeah. 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 And then if you take the phlegmatic on the other hand, so the phle- phlegmatic as the opposite of the choleric, mm-hmm. I would say in discernment, they would have to, or have to, I don't want to say that, but they might be tempted to either, um, 
not go deep enough or not um, not not wanting to to kind of take the difficult route because mm-hmm. they kind of want think they want to avoid the conflict. They want yes. to keep everything smooth, everything you know, just you know, running along nicely and um, and not not you know not too crazy, not not too hard, not too zealous, not mm-hmm. and and they that might cause them to take the route of least resistance, you know, whereas God might be calling them to something more strenuous. And mm-hmm. once, once they realize, and they, of course they all, every temperament, everybody has to pray. Um, and like you said, mm-hmm. um, we all need to surrender as well. It's just that um, different temperaments will have a slightly greater or lesser uh, drive in a certain direction, let's say. So, mm-hmm. so, so the choleric has that greater drive. It, it's not a problem if there's a challenge. Yeah, give me a challenge. Well, maybe God doesn't want you to take on the challenge. Maybe God actually instead wanted you to to uh, wait a year. Yeah. So exactly. Whereas God might want the phlegmatic to take on a challenge, and that could be uh, something that they might resist. And then again, with the, the melancholic, here's something I was thinking about when you, you had asked that question. Um, oftentimes, the melancholic will love, a, you know, I'll just, I just want to do God's will. You know, God will enlighten me. And, you know, I, I don't want to do anything prideful. I don't want to do anything, uh, not, uh, not my will. No, no, I don't even want to have a desire. You know, I want to be this idealistic um, you know, prayerful saint that they have in, in mind, let's yes, say. And yes. then they don't want to take maybe uh, the practical, like even St. Mm-hmm. Ignatius had uh, practical uh, steps that you could take for discernment, you know, where you could, you could look at, at, at pros and cons and you can, you can, you can consider the feelings, your feelings, your, your whole self, your, your um, desires. And these things all come into play. And so, a melancholic who might be a little bit too on the, the ideal end, they, they need to cons- consider those practical things. Whereas, you know, you, a, a practical cleric has probably got checklists, on, you know, already, yeah. you yeah. know, he's got his pros and his cons and his whatever, yes. you know. <laughs> um, Which is a recommendation by St. Ignatius. I think he was yes. actually the inventor of the pros and cons list. I think cool. you're right. Yeah, I think I was reading spiritual exercises and I was like, oh, there it is, pros and cons. <laughs> Exactly. He didn't say it that way, but it was essentially the same. And right. with, yeah, with um with the melancholic as well, I sometimes get this and uh I sometimes get this from from people who are struggling with to find their vocation and I think they're you can tell me if this is the right the right um uh temperament. I think it's melancholic because th- when you're mentioning the idealist, there's sometimes a tendency to I don't want to settle, you know, unless I find my Saint Joseph. I'm yeah. not going to get married. You know, I like, I need to find, I need to find the perfect woman. I need right. to find my, you know, blessed mother or whatever. Right. And, exactly. and yeah. I need to find this, this person. And so I noticed that sometimes there's a, a lack of a willingness to maybe work with people's, uh, yes. or to, to accept that this person that you're going to marry, or if you're, if you are called to that is going to be imperfect and that yeah. you are taking on their struggles and you are struggling with them and you are, always helping them to improve, but that is never going to be perfect. And that it's just going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be feel messy. 
at different exactly. times. And oh, there's like sure. an un, maybe an unwillingness to enter into that. And maybe that's kind of fed by our culture in a way that like, if it's not perfect, yeah, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Whereas oh. other personality types, I, oh, sorry, I keep using that other temperaments yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> may not struggle with that quite as much there might not be like a, I could under, I could see the phlegmatic being a little more or maybe a lot more willing to just work with people just say okay mm -hmm. you know this is fine that this is where you're at yeah. right now and right. the melancholic would be well you're not good enough so I'm writing you off you know right. potentially and there is there is that in our culture too and I have talked to actually I I wonder I don't know if it's if it's more uh a male versus female thing or not in our um, present in our present culture it seems like there's a lot of women who have said that to me that yeah that they feel like the guys are like holding off you know they're they're like um, I'm not you know I can't commit to you because there could be you know XYZ down the road you know and I'm not sure or yes. maybe I am supposed to be a priest or yeah. you know, and there's I, all these yeah yeah, I honestly, I honestly see both. I do. Yeah, I, I see, see sometimes men being unwilling to ask women out because they're just not even, or they won't commit their heart because they're just like, well, this uh, there's too much risk for me. Almost, it's like it's mm -hmm. it, it's not. I know it's not going to be perfect, so I can't commit. And then I do also see women breaking up with men. Because I think they're not too perfect. Quickly, I think too quickly, and yeah. not giving them a chance because it's like, yes. oh, you yeah. exhibited something that I perceived as weakness or some quality that might be. So I'm just going to cut it off now. And sometimes, uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I do see, I do see both, yeah. honestly. Yeah, right. But that's, you could be right. I mean, I am no scientist. I have not done any. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a scientist. No, yeah. I'm also not a mental health therapist. That's my husband. He does. He does all this. Yes. <laughs> He would be a good person to ask maybe after yeah, the conversation. Right. You have yeah. to let me know what he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should yeah. ask. And I yeah. do see that an awful lot in in just some of there's the dating world is very hard. I think it's oh, yeah. it's so much harder now. Yes, I, um, I was going to say I think it's gotten harder since yes. I got married because I hear everything I'm hearing is like, "Oh, yeah, no, I would not want that. <laughs> I would not want to be single right now, honestly." So, yeah. and I think that's yeah. one of those things that, you know, where the devil's really twisting good mm -hmm. people who who want good things and making yeah. it something that seems unachievable simply because it's not perfect but not perfect right. is still good yes yeah. exactly yeah. and nothing in this world is perfect so right in this world you will have trouble you know and that's what christ yes. said yes and so. there's a lot of disillusionment i think um and and that can be something that's really difficult to struggle with even like with a religious order if you go and visit and you're so excited to join and then mm -hmm. you go and you join and then you discover these people aren't perfect and you're disillusioned right. you know i've I've heard of that happening as well and, and that's, sure. a hard, that's a hard a hard cross you know so so living yeah. in reality like we're saying um what exactly. about this the sanguine and the sanguine, I, I like to think of St. Peter, who was a sanguine, um, because he, he was like, he's always like impulsively doing something, you know, so he impulsively gets, you know, walks on the water and then he takes his eyes off Christ and he begins to sink. Yes. Um, or he at the transfiguration, he says, oh, it's good that we're here. Lord, let's build three tents on the spot, you know, and then yeah. scripture says he did not know what he was saying. You know, so he just impulsively says these things. Mm. And it's interesting to me that Christ tells him to go put out into the deep. 
And so the sanguine can have that tendency to not go deep, Mm. to maybe be a little too much on the surface, a little impulsive. Um, and, And so the depth, I think, of reflection is exactly what the sanguine would be. Well, as we said, everybody needs the prayer, but also that personal relationship with Christ will be so um, important to the sanguine because they are, are they are the most oriented to people. Mm-hmm. And so once they have that, once Christ is their, the, the best friend of their soul, they will be less influenced by outer experiences, less yes. other people, less being a people pleaser, yes. less impulsive and more internally, you know, in, that's going to be a hard turn for them, but um, something that they absolutely need to work on. Um, yeah, yeah. They, we, I, <laughs> I do too. You yeah. know, being distracted in prayer is, is a tough one. That's something that I do struggle with. And yeah. I'm, I'm sure other sanguines as well. You know, I was thinking My about St. Ignatius. You're the expert on, on discernment. But um, St. Ignatius... Uh, I was thinking about his the spiritual exercises where he, you know, at one point he had, it has been a long time that, since I did any of those, but um, at one point you're supposed to imagine your death, I think, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I always, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's I a good one. I was just thinking like he is probably capturing, he was probably so wise that he was able to touch every type of temperament in his mm. spiritual exercises and in his discernment of spirits because yes. he knew like some people have like this great imagination and this you know it, looking into your thinking about your death is just what you need <laughs> you know absolutely yeah. and and visualizing christ on the cross and all of his imaginative yeah. prayer that gets you really into it yes but i think the death the deathbed one is particularly interesting and i actually recommend that in all of my talks like if you because there's the big picture of discernment and then there's also those moments when you just have to make a decision and you know you don't have forever and you got to make a decision tomorrow and sometimes that those moments are torturous so i always try to provide a few quick things of like here's what saint ignatius would recommend and that's one of them because i think if you're if you were lying on your deathbed you would have a lot of clarity as to what you wish you would have done separate from your nature and nurture sort of uh, sides of your personality, but taking more of like God's view of things. Yes, yes, absolutely. Was there anything that you wanted to say? Oh, we were just talking about the sanguine. Yes. And what kept coming to my mind was people pleaser. And then you mentioned it. Um, Mm -hmm. Being also a sanguine as well as choleric, um, I know that I struggled a lot with people's expectations of me, mm-hmm. still do, although I've grown for sure, but it's always a tendency to want to do the thing that people want me to do. Yes. <clears throat> and I noticed that a lot with my um, letters that I get from people saying, I don't want to let my parents and my grandparents down, or oh. my, my grandma always wanted me to be this, and mm-hmm. I'm struggling with kind of differing from that and differing from that. And I always say, you know, you're, if they really love you, they want what's best for you and they want what's going to be most most true for for really what's what God wants for you. Exactly. And they may deal with, they have their own disappointment to deal with potentially because they have their own ideas about it, about what's good for you. But if you are doing what you 
are truly called to do and they really love you, mm-hmm. they should come around eventually once they see yeah. how at peace you are and that you are really living your purpose and living out your calling that will, you know, you will exude happiness. And that's really what they're going to want to see for you. Exactly. That's so true. That's very wise. Yeah. 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 And that's why the, uh, the, for the sanguine to really focus on, on, on Christ, on that personal relationship and really pleasing God, you, that's the most important person to please in, in not, not everybody else. So. Absolutely. Yeah. It's 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 easier said than done, though. A hundred percent. Yes, uh, that's always, and that's that's where the growth has to come in. And spiritual direction is so helpful yeah. to help draw out where God is working in your life, for sure. Yeah. This is so fascinating. I could just keep talking all, all on and on about this. Was there anything else you wanted to add for discernment for sanguines, or do you think we um, have covered it? Let's see. Um, I don't think so. I, I don't. I'm not coming up with anything right at the moment, but okay, um, gotcha. Yeah, I want to see a book on that actually. <laughs> yeah, actually, well, maybe you should write the book on discernment because <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> it has crossed my mind. I just haven't found yeah. the right time. Well, it sounds like but you've had quite a. You've done quite a few talks on it as well. So it's been right. yeah. It's it's been a cool journey. I I started I started with you know speaking and and podcasting about discernment simply because I had a lot of questions and I thought I really want to have an open conversation with people who are a lot smarter than I am and who know a lot more than I do so that I can get my questions answered and the way that I uh, started hearing all of these common questions was not only through my own journey but because I was on a reality tv show about discerning my vocation and I started getting letters from people from around the world and uh, you know not letters not literal letters, just yeah. notes. <laughs> I like to think of them as letters, but nothing came to my inbox. People don't do that. Like my, not they came to my inbox, not my mailbox. Yeah. Um, but people started writing me emails and so forth and asking me like, how did you know? And how did God speak to you? And all these kinds of things. And it was became an area of fascination for me that still holds my fascination very much. So I would love to write a book. And uh, in fact, I was talking to a publisher and I was about to make a pitch in March 2020. Mm. And if you remember what happened in March 2020, uh, just a few days before the shutdown, uh, my husband, I was talking to him about pitching and he said, you know, I think this is just, this would be too much for our family. I think Mm. we need to put this idea. And he doesn't often say no to my ideas. So I know when he does, I really need to listen to him. So it was very Mm -hmm. hard because I'm a choleric. I was really excited. Mm -hmm. But then everything shut down and the day it shut down, I had this idea for a conference. And if I had been pitching my book, I wouldn't have been able to do the Be Not Afraid conference, which mm-hmm. then blew up into this crazy thing. It it was like five, we launched in five days. Wow. And we've had over, tw- uh, I think, close to 20,000 people that have, that have actually joined it. Um, That's amazing. It was crazy. Yeah, it was this 30 day conference and we had 44 speakers and musicians, I think that that were so anyway, God works in in amazing ways. And that was one of those instances where with my choleric personality, I had to really slow myself down. But God was waiting to give me a different gift that, you know, Mm -hmm. was the the example of when we, we were talking about how do we hear God's call or what he's calling us to, sometimes he's speaking through your husband right there. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah, that's interesting. And you, but thankfully you were open to that, um, 
to hearing his, you know, to knowing that he was very wisely. <laughs> well, I was not a saint about it. <laughs> I had to do a lot of praying to, to really, you know, to really understand that, you know, no, this isn't him being selfish. This is him being the leader of our family. Yeah. And he also has a temperament to not take on too much, which I guess would mm -hmm. be, I guess a more phlegmatic, more laid back phlegmatic. He's probably like, so like my husband and I are exact opposites. So <laughs> yeah. phlegmatic melancholic. And mm -hmm. so maybe your husband's kind of like that. They're, yeah. they're much more um, reserved and less, um, less over, well, not impulsive or not, you know, just charging down the street type of thing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. More, a little more cautious, let's say. Yes. Through and through, and we have to we balance each other out that way. Exactly, sure. which is a beautiful thing. Which yes. Um, yes. It, it's necessary in I think in I mean it's not necessary because we know we, I know people who are of the same temperaments that marry each other. So it, it's whoever God calls you to marry. <laughs> you know, yes. it doesn't and, have yeah. to be anybody of a certain temperament. In fact. I've had that question before, too, from single people saying, oh, well, I think, you know, I'm, you know, I should, I'm such and such. One, one girl one time said to me, she goes, I'm, I'm so, I'm so quiet and I'm such a melancholic. I think I need a sanguine for a, for a, to date. And, and I go, okay, that's, you know, let's go ahead, try. And she goes, but I, I don't know where I'm going to find a sanguine and i'm like well you're not going to find him in your book club are you you know it's like that's true. you gotta go to some parties girl yeah <laughs> right it was really cute but, it, it, but that's just a funny story but yeah. it really whoever god calls you to that is going to be your spouse you know it doesn't yes. have to be anybody of any particular temperament yes. you will work through all these things and you know if you're just opposite just like us sometimes you get clashes then you know in the beginning you're like what what's wrong with that person yeah. you know but then you realize wait it's just his temperament or her temperament yeah. and then yeah. you can work together and become a team and it's just uh yeah. you know then it's a beautiful thing same thing with temperaments of the same they probably just get along like swimmingly, you know, yeah. <laughs> very few arguments, very few fights. <laughs> <laughs> but I imagine there's moments like because real life hits and there's challenges. I imagine there's moments where they kind of have to grow together. Yes. Where they might recognize, yeah. wait, neither of us wants to do this thing, but somebody's yeah. got to do it. And exactly. together we have to, one of us has to learn how to do this or we have to do it together. So I can imagine how even being very yeah. similar. Or they have a kid that's, different temperament it can you know percent entirely different yeah. and they're like whoa <laughs> where did this yes. come from you know just yes. like the red-haired child that you know some great grandma <laughs> was throw back to right. you know. anyway, we have a couple yeah. friends with a kid like that and it's just like her parents are so easygoing and she's yeah. so fiery and they yeah. i've just watched them like love her through all of that all yeah. of those challenges and yeah and it's been beautiful to see them like rise to that challenge you know yeah, and, and everybody yeah. grows everybody it's all for the better yes you know? absolutely 100 percent. well i think you know <laughs> We could talk all night, um, <laughs> but I should probably go um, yes. check in with my little kiddos who my parents are so graciously babysitting right now. Uh, so thank you so much for, for being here. Is there anything you want to share before we close out? 
Well, one last thing is um, St. Catherine of Siena. She, um, she was in her, one of her conversations with God. She asked him why he had not given all the natural virtues that everybody would have needed to you know why why did he not why did you not give me all the natural virtues i need you know yes. in order yes. to love you properly and he said well because i i wanted you to grow in charity and so I, you oh. you you had everything you needed so we like to tell people no you don't have all the good stuff of all the temperaments um maybe christ did <laughs> you know but not, yeah yeah that would other, be fascinating other, yes but no mm-hmm. us ordinary people um we need to we need to grow in virtue we need to struggle mm-hmm. we need to take take up our cross we need to have need of other people and to value other people and to grow in charity toward other people so for all those reasons for charity we don't have everything that's beautiful that's a good question and that is a dang good answer and that's a really good place to leave this i think yeah oh my goodness lorraine i'm gonna leave no uh links in the show notes to buy your books as well as know thyself which is your brand new board game which puts those books into action you know i think that's so creative that you guys thought of that and you managed to collaborate with Sophia Institute Press yeah. which I I love um, being on their list and receiving all of these new cool things in my in my mailbox and I loved getting your board game so thank you so much for all of your good work and um, if any of my viewers or listeners are curious and want more about personality and temperament and so forth I did a really fascinating interview with um, the Nakanes. Audra and Brennan Nakane. Are you familiar with them? No, I'm not. Oh, you have got to look up their work. Listen to your interview. It is fascinating. And I would actually, I really want you to have a conversation with them because I feel like that would be, I would totally want to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. Um, They have a system that, um, you know, they really strongly believe God has revealed to them uh, dealing with personality and temperament. Um, And it's very uh, sophisticated. It's it's amazing. So I'll link to that interview as well. And I hope everyone goes out and buys your books and your board game and has loads and loads of fun with their friends and family. So thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Such a pleasure just getting to, to know you. Oh, thank you so much, Stacy, for having me on your show. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to release this one. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I know you have a choice of so many podcasts that you could listen to, and I'm truly honored that you stopped by and decided to listen to mine. If you've been gaining value from my episodes, I would so love it if you could leave an Apple Podcasts review and a rating. And it just gives my heart so much joy to read the reviews and to know that my content is serving you well. If you have any questions about discernment, please feel free to drop me a line at stacysummerow.com and let me know what I can pray for for you and how I can support you in your discernment of all of your life choices. So God's adventure awaits and I'm just so excited you're on the journey with me. God bless you and see you next time.